on here. All right, so the Viking of Valhalla podcast. We're broadcasting from Fusebox Mixed Martial Arts in Westminster, Colorado. Uh, one time, the only place in Colorado that you can pick up Sambo techniques and karate for mixed martial arts. We're like the ESPN, the Ocho of the martial arts gyms in Denver, Colorado, the obscure martial arts center. If you want to learn something that nobody knows what you're talking about, this is where you go to. Seriously. If you understand that ESPN reference, please show up. Show up, because if you like dodgeball, you're going to love this place. <laughs> so all this is very local, what we're doing. I think it makes sense, man. So we got Michael Connell over here. Say something. Hi. You can say something to me, too, because we're recording here. Hi, Mike. There you go. We got Amy Walker. Hello. Okay, we got Bo, Bo Yurko now. No. Austin Yurko. I'm not responding to that. Austin Yurko. <laughs> It's too late. You already missed it. It's too late. <laughs> All right. We all liked our page, so we could tag In yeah. Zeflin Winfield. <laughs> it's Zelvin. Zelvin. Zeflin. Zelvin. 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 Z. I feel like I don't even know anybody. <laughs> all right, so we got fights coming up. Um, Mike, what's your date? You're the first one coming up. I'm fighting this Saturday, June 23rd uh, at 8 p.m. in Gillette, Wyoming for a Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Why would you do that? Because it's fun, and other people don't, don't do it. It's like ESPN the Ocho. Yep, exactly. Of the martial arts community. Extreme. Right. And, okay, so we got that. Uh, we got uh, the next closest match is Amy Walker. Where are we going to be? Dallas, Texas for a women's jiu-jitsu tournament. I feel like I could wipe that tournament out. Yeah, take on all the 125 <laughs> females, because yeah. that's what you identify as. Correct. Yeah, don't assume my gender. Do you think they allow that? Or weight? Mm. They're, they're better. Identified? Yeah, don't assume my gender or weight. He's very gender fluid. <laughs> he can change it up at any time. Gender and weight fluid. <laughs> so the next thing we got going on, we have uh, Austin, Z, and Amy are all going to be on the same kickboxing card. And what, uh, help me remember the date on that. July twenty seventh. July twenty seventh in Commerce City. Commerce City, Believe, right? Yeah. yeah. Commerce City, yeah. There's an event center there that I haven't heard of, and uh, I guess it's a newer promotion, kind of work, worked their way up, and that's great. Love to help the newer promotions. Um, so far, the promoter's been like really, really good about uh, responding to me and uh, getting back with details and stuff. So I, I like that. It's. It's real easy for promoters to get kind of uppity and be too good to answer questions for you or we only work with this gym or that gym and you're a feeder fish. And so if we don't get that kind of treatment, then I'm, I'm great with I want to work with them. Uh, absolutely. So let's get started out on uh, Mike. Um, and you guys can jump in whenever you want. What do you, uh, what's your plan? What's your, what's your motivation for doing this? Uh, it's something that hasn't been done in over a hundred years. Hundred years. Yeah, it's the oldest. It is the oldest sport in the history of combat sports. It's older than wrestling. Gladiators did it. Gladiators did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like, and like, I like the fact that people who are fighters, who are pro fighters in Bellator, are hitting me up and being like, "You're a psychopath. Like, you're crazy for doing this." It's, like, it's so crazy that fighters who go into a cage every day and punch each other in the face think that bare knuckle boxing is extreme. So, and that's why I started MMA 10 years ago because at the time, no one was doing it. And only like crazy people started doing it. 
do you feel about the idea that they have, since bare knuckle boxing began, invented gloves? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. It makes sense. Like they only, the only reason they invented gloves was so that people would stop breaking their hands, and and it allows you to throw full power. Bare knuckle boxing, you can't throw a hundred percent. You have to throw fifty percent, or you're gonna break your hand. So would you condition your you hands for that? You gotta pick your shots. Louder. Yeah, louder, louder. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, what else you guys want to know? <clears throat> I'm not single. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yep. My lover. <laughs> All right. So, touch base on a few things. Um, Amy, you got the next thing coming up. Um, give me a little bit of a reason behind why you almost psychotically train. Like, this is... There's two types of people that I see in the martial arts, and one of them is somebody that's just naturally good at it, all the, at everything, and we experienced that a little bit tonight with a young girl that came in that just picked everything up immediately off of just basic suggestions. And um, oftentimes what happens with those people is it's so easy for them that they don't excel in it. And so who I find actually gets better is the ones that get a little frustrated and have to work through some issues of self in order to um, uh, understand how to pull, pull off movements and uh, make things work. So for you, you train like more than anybody I know. <laughs> I have some personality flaws. <laughs> Obsessive compulsive is among those. Um, but I don't like to fail. And you also got to speak up because we have a mic that's way over there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's way over there. Way over there. Right. I don't like to fail, so and I I have some obsessive compulsive issues, um, and I just like to do things well. Plus, I really enjoy it a lot. What What makes a failure? Quitting. That it. Nobody else has anything. <laughs> no, I don't think quitting makes a failure. I think not fulfilling what you wanted to get done. So like if you were climbing Everest and you got pushed down by a storm, you failed? No, you started climbing Everest. No, it's not on you. Like you did your best, you put everything into it. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it like an ass. I know, but I'm an ass, so it's not hard. <laughs> not what like, makes a failure? You know, what, what constitutes failure? I mean, when we're, when we're, this, is, this isn't an easy thing we're doing. So I think, when you, I think failing is when you stop trying. Yeah. I Isn't think that's that just a different way of saying quitting? <laughs> when you guys told me no. Hey, <laughs> when you I'm trying to make conversation here. We're when trying you to make don't, it When you don't keep going, not when you quit, but when I, you don't keep I going. I would have known. Never failed. <laughs> Never failed. <laughs> I have. I think as far as failure is concerned, it's like not even getting up to try. You know, um, It's so easy to stay in the bed and, and find a thousand and one reasons not to even get up and try. You know? It's easy to quit, but it's even easier to not even put forth the effort in order to better yourself, to do something that is outside of your comfort zone that will challenge you, you know. Um, it's, it's hard for a lot of people this day, especially seeing, like, my peers and people in my generation where they're progressively getting lazy and don't even, they don't even want to try to learn a martial art or they don't want to try to run a 5K. Um, and that, in my eyes, makes a failure because it's just, what are you doing with your life besides working a nine to five and coming home and eating and watching TV? Like you're not trying to better yourself as a human being. Um, and I constitute that personally as a failure because I see it so often. So that's kind of my viewpoint on 
It's awesome. Just for you, I mean, you're doing a significant transition from college athletics. And, um, you know, for everybody that's, that is going to be tuning in on this, can you kind of give us a little feedback on what you did manage to accomplish and what, you're, what, you think, what are you thinking about doing here? What is your, what's your magic button? Yeah, so um, I played college football at Western State Colorado University. Um, it was all conference three years in a row. Um, it's a whole different lifestyle. I mean, going from being, you know, as heavy as possible, being, you know, 270 pounds and cutting all this weight now. Um, it's a little bit different ball game. I would say, like, you know, I've used the reference before. It's like back then I wanted to be a bull. Now I want to be a ballerina. Um, that's the biggest thing is I want to be, you know, I can't rely on strength anymore. Um, putting in the time to actually get the technique down instead of, you know, just lifting a lot of weights and just being strong. Um, I would say that's the biggest transition, although you did have to be super athletic to play college football. Um, it's just a different athletic ability that goes from there to here. Um, and my main goal is just to be the best. World champion. World champion. You want to fight pro? Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't? In the room, who doesn't want to fight pro? Fight? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you take a kickboxing match? Because uh, I think it's because... That I'm, surprised me. Yeah, I think it's because I'm too stupid to know what I shouldn't do. <laughs> Is honestly, I don't know. I thought I'd try it. I don't have a good answer. No, other than I figured might as, she might as well me, try it. She told me the answer to that. What, it, what did she say? She wants to do combat sambo. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's what she told me. That's yeah. valid. I do. I do want to do combat sambo. So before I travel the world to get hit, I figured I should get hit at home. So anybody listening that doesn't understand what sambo is, and I, I understand if you don't, um, it didn't take the same marketing path as jiu-jitsu did and it is a it is a it was a game already when jiu-jitsu hit the floor as something that worked inside of the ufc sambo was already an established game gaming sport inside of the european and russian Jeez. unions yeah, yeah. It's always been. yeah it's so yeah so it's, it's it's really big over there i mean we when we go over to europe and train and compete over there it's it's significant the amount of people that cross train in freestyle wrestling, jujitsu, uh, judo, and sambo. Uh, as we're here, people say things like, "If you want to be more diversified in your grappling, just do one type of grappling." And that I don't understand it, but uh, the attitude is much more open uh, in Europe and in South America than it is here. Uh, I feel like there's a shift coming. I feel like finally, after 20 years of trying, there's some kind of paradigm shift that's going to be sh that's that's showing up um of course it's outside of my prime you know it's that's Habib, the way that's Habib, the way it works Habib will bring it a bit. like when Fedor was fighting pride people followed Fedor's pride fighting and then there was still like his sambo like over in they like he was huge his sambo career was huge over in Russia but no one for some reason no one in the U.S. grabbed grabbed onto it like they do MMA so I think, I think part of the reason, and this is just my, my two cents on this topic, when I compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament, I worry that I'm going to get submitted. Not beat up. But when I, when I compete in a sambo tournament, I worry that I'm going to need a surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the difference in the intensity of, of the two sports. I'm not saying that you can't get hurt in jiu-jitsu. You certainly can. Um, but... Uh, the tournament that we just were in, 
uh, Amy goes out and grabs a hold of the gi- and the girls are just sitting down and you look at the guys just sitting down in this butt scooching and, and I'm gonna irk a lot of people and say I have zero respect for that behavior that sit down and don't and pull guard. yeah it's silly like if you're gonna pull guard you know attack off of it that makes perfect sense you you, you jump into something attack off that guard I like that um, that's tactical but I think that that sitting down is literally a puss out from training legitimate takedowns. You're talking from standing and then... Yeah, and they just, yeah, absolutely. And they just sit down. That's a puss out. You're trying not to. And I know, and I think that because I used to train with an Olympic Greco alternate when I was a fighter. And he would grab me and I'd sit down. Because <laughs> <Which makes, which laughs> <makes it> <laughs> I pushed out. <laughs> You're pretty much accepting the fact that if that person was to go take you down, they would be on top. So right. you've already lost. Right. Like, yeah, so you're going. And I, and I say that because of my own defeat. And I think that's probably why I'm a little bit vehement about it. Is I am ashamed of those days when a Greco guy would get a hold of me. And I couldn't do anything about it. So I just sat on my ass to avoid the inevitable smash instead of working on fixing the loop until I was, you know, retired. Um, so it, the, I think the motivation behind the fight is, is crazy important. Is that you had your 0-1 right now mm-hmm. and in kickboxing. And you're, you jumped right back onto the pony. So I think that's impressive. Um, she's getting into it because she wants to move further into women's combat sambo hopefully Fias if Fias ever sees or hears this understands that women are absolutely capable of MMA and combat sports um, just as but just as much as men are absolutely and I think they're I think they're much better technicians for sure Um, so I get her motivation I get your motivation Austin as far as um, wanting to go pro I think you have what it takes to do all those things. Z, where are you at? What, uh, what motivated you to get back on the pony? Um, I learned a lot about myself, you know, after my first amateur kickboxing match. Um, it's, it's, it's really shocking in how when you know that there's somebody out there that literally wants to take your head off, um, how it changes your perspective and how you think, you know, the weeks, the days, the hours leading up to the fight. Um, it definitely tested me mentally, um, not just before the fight or during the fight, but because it didn't go my way, it tested me in a different way. And I, I think it was really good for me to have that loss because um, I had never been, nobody has ever hit me to put me out, you know. And I think that was a part of me that needed to be humbled in order for me to understand that that can happen to you too. Um, but, you know, it, it sucks getting knocked out. It, it does suck. And, and, you know, you put in all that hard work, but then you really sit back and ask yourself, did I really do enough um, in order to prepare for that fight adequately? Um, and there's a lot of things that I, I know I could have changed. Um, but after the fight, I had to take a long look at what I was doing. And, you know, this is part of the territory if you want to be a fighter. You know, um, you can't just get knocked out or get beat and then call it quits. You know, that's that failure we was talking about a few minutes ago. And I would really regret never trying again to excel in something that I truly and deeply enjoy and really want to be the best at 
And this is just something that um, is a necessary hurdle in order for me to become a better martial artist because I, I do want to go pro. I do want to become a world champion one day. I do have that ambition. Um, but in order to get back on their horse after a loss, it's a lot harder for a lot of people. And you see it all the time in MMA and boxing. You know, they take a really bad loss and they never really come back. You know, it just really, it really hurts their confidence. Um, but the worst thing that can possibly happen to me happened. And so that fear has been removed. And once it's removed, then you can learn to better put your hands up to correct those mistakes technically and prevent it from happening again. Mike, what's your... Uh... So you're you're taking off on Friday night? Yeah, Friday. Friday, Friday, late afternoon. Okay. What's your what's your opponent's name again? Uh Nick Choinier. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Choinier? Ah, it doesn't matter. It's gonna get knocked out. Is he affiliated with some kind of Hell's Angels or something? Is yeah, that a thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure his his head trainer is a Hell Hell's Angel. So we'll see. I don't know if that makes him think he can box, but. I don't know. What's your what? What is this deal? Was there some weight issues? Or is that still going? Yeah, on? Yeah, uh, the fight for the last eight for the last seven weeks was one fifty was for one sixty. Uh, about a week and a half into it, the promoter contacted me and told me that I had to make uh, one fifty five or <clears throat> fight at one seventy because my opponent lost too much weight. I don't know how you lose too much weight, but he's walking at one he's walking at one fifty four. So I agreed to to lose five more pounds in a week and a half. And then the weight got scheduled in yeah. higher. Yeah, now it's now it's back to one sixty, so but yeah, but they're but I'm just worried about him saying I'm too light, so I'm still gonna make fifty five. I I I personally think he was looking for a way out two weeks ago and he didn't expect me to say, Yeah, I'll I'll cut five more pounds on top of the twenty that I've cut in the last six weeks. I one time accidentally cut too much weight. Yeah, how do you? I, like, I was I'm in Paraguay and on... it was humid and hot, and we walked around a lot, and I sweated more than I thought. And huh. but so only a pound, cut... but not really. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I lost sixteen Don't pounds in an accident. In I was an extra five under. It was. Wow. I didn't mean to, wow. but I was like, whoa. I guess like, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I think I walked into the Paraguay, um, the Pan Americans in Paraguay. I was, it was like what two sixteen when we when we took off. And I was right around 200 pounds by the time we went. And I was eating. And it was hot down there. Yeah. Like Sylvester Stallone talked everywhere. about that in jungle, jungle areas. When he films in jungle areas, he tells us, because everybody wants to cut down for the movie. Yeah. And they want to look good. And he's, he's like, you got to kind of be fat <sighs> when you walk in. And the guys are like, no, I don't want to be. But like super with, emaciated. Yeah, but within weeks, they, they look like a native. They look like Christian Bale and mechanic just all suck. <laughs> That's what I'm happy I don't look like, because that's usually, I thought it, I've, this is the lightest I've ever been even before cutting water. And I just, I died at 100%. Like, I never had muscle like this at 155. Like, I'm 155 right now. It's the lightest I've ever been. Ever. And you feel good? Awesome. feel amazing. feel the best. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in for a fight. 100%. How much is this having a girlfriend help? Uh, <laughs> fiance. Fiance. Ladies, I'm sorry. Um, she's actually sitting right no, see how, she's, she's an athlete too. She's, a, she's, she's super a, cute. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. Do you want, to, want people to see her yeah, if she can come, come in? Come here, come here. All right. Come on, we got a spot right here. Um, she's an athlete too. She's a marathon runner, so she does, she does cardio with me. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. How much does that extra drive of having an athlete and somebody that understands as a partner help you? It, it's, it, it's good because like when I come home, she gets 
that I'm tired, that I'm exhausted, that I just I need like to leave me alone. Whereas in past relationships, they're hairdressers and they're not elite athletes or anything. And like they don't like like no, I need to eat and go to bed, and then I need to wake up and I need to do the same thing that I did the day before. I think it's really hard for a lot of people to comprehend when you're a martial artist how hard it is on the body. You know, you mm-hmm. spend all day training, and you know you're in training camp. Sometimes it's two days, and uh, you're just worn mentally, you know, emotionally and physically. You know, when you're sitting there, you're trying to get down this technique and discipline yourself with this weight cut, and then the physical part, you're just grinding out the pain and, and all the neck necks injuries and things like that, but the emotional part, you're just sitting there thinking about the fight, you know, it's a, it's a very big part, I feel. My last, like, my last, so I left, so I... When I moved out to Colorado a year, two years ago, and I immediately came to Fusebox, and I had two fights here, and then like an idiot, I left and went to a different gym where I ended up getting hurt, and how do I say this? Um, my head just wasn't my head. No, my head just was not right at all. For the, for the last two fight camps that I had previous to this, my head was a mess. Like I would. I would drive to. I would be driving to the gym, and every fighter goes, "Oh, I'm gonna get my ass kicked." Or, "Oh, this person is better than me." And like you, shove that away. I was not able to shove that away. I wasn't able to, like at all. Like my head was a mess. And then this camp, my head is like awesome. Like every morning, I wake up knowing that I'm gonna break his face. Like know that I'm gonna dominate him. Know that I'm gonna slip every single punch that he throws. Know that there's nothing that. He's not you, he's not you, he's not her, he's not him. Like, there's no matter, there's nothing you can do. So, I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's her. It doesn't ask yeah. you how much you think is that yeah, stability in the rest yeah. of like, your I, life. I mean, I'm not, I, I was living in cars with my two dogs before I met her. Yeah, because this can't be camp, this can't be gym related. Because you, no. you were training with me and then, then you left. Yeah. And then you're back. But yeah. um, my input on this is pretty limited. Yeah. But you're you're still fast. We I sparred you the other day. You're fast, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't, I'm not going to get too deep into that. But the, uh, I mean, it's you're a significant fighter. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I just I wasn't when I left when I left Fusebox. I just I wasn't I wasn't like I just and like that's why I went to a bunch of camps. Like I I don't know if you remember, but I was done doing MMA before I came before I walked in the fuse box like I was gonna go to Zagano's and then if Zagano's didn't work out I was gonna be done and then I walked in and the atmosphere of fuse box like you're you can do what you want you're if you're a fighter or if you're, you're just a straight martial artist or you're just trying to get in the shape like you can go off and you can do whatever you want whereas most gyms today are structure 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 you're gonna do this you're gonna do that you're gonna do that and that's how that's not how I was raised yeah, like my gym back east, South Shore Sports Fighting, like that's, you were able, fighters go over there, do whatever you want. Whereas when I left Fusebox, I went into super, super structured, this is what you're gonna do every single night, this is what you're gonna do because we're telling you, and I don't know if that's what fucks with my head or not, but when I left Fusebox, my head went haywire. I've heard that before. I don't know if, I don't think it's my, Awesome martial arts because I think it's you know martial arts are martial arts. Um, I think one of my biggest problems with the way people perceive jujitsu, for example, is I, I noticed this at the tournament 
uh, this last weekend is they say the word jujitsu like nobody's ever fucking said the word before. They're like, oh, you know that, look at their jujitsu. And I, did you just accentuate the ooh on the end of that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're at a jujitsu tournament, man. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. And, um, and it gets credit for everything. It's like the Krav Maga of the 2000s. And uh, it's like, well, we invented the groin kick in 1972. Come on. Like, as soon as, as soon as somebody saw the pills, they kicked them. That's just, <laughs> that, was, that was the way that worked, man. And um, so it kind of gets credit for everything. So you get to see, like, good judo, and they're like, that's jujitsu. And you see good sambo in a sambo uniform that says sambo on it, and they're like, jujitsu. And then you see, like, his, like, this was a flying sidekick in one video. Like, um, this guy was picking a fight with somebody in a New York subway, and this dude runs up and sidekicks him in the hip and knocks him out. And they're like, jujitsu. Well, do the jujitsu or MMA now? What do you mean? That was clearly like taekwondo or something. (laughs) Or maybe the guy just didn't want to run into him and he used his foot, right? So so I don't think it's me as as a coach. I don't feel that way about myself. Like I have this all answer. I don't think, I mean, I guess I want to touch on the, he said structure, like the, the, all these other places have this. I don't know that it's lacking structure here. It doesn't have the hierarchical, um, traditional structure of a lot of the gyms. Um, It's not to say that there's not a plan. Yeah, we're not free balling here. There's there's definitely a coaching plan in place, and I think it's probably here um, very individualized for each person. Like it's... um, we're small enough that we know each other and everyone kind of feels like they could say it and you have an eye to what everyone needs. Like you can focus in on each person and what needs to be worked on in whatever arena it is. So it's not unstructured, it's just not formal. Individually structured, how's that? Yeah. The, uh, the fight camps, I, I think are before a person gets uh, really seasoned, I think that they can be very um, very troubling because you're learning how to fight at the same time that you're learning how to get in shape and how to get mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I fight now, I just need to get mildly in shape because mm-hmm. it's all yeah. yeah, and so the rest of it the rest of it, i'm going to what I told uh Bob, C- Bob, Bob Clark, and what, what city is he in? Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. So he's, he's uh, one of the Sambo coaches out of the USA Sambo organization there. And, and Bob said, okay, Michael, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out. You're going to do. And he went through a list of things. And he goes, you got it? And I'm like, no. No. I'm going to do exactly what I'm going to do. And I don't know what that is, but I'm pretty sure it's nothing that you said. And that I meant no disrespect by that. But... I, I have a capability of like eight tools. You know what you need. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to move outside of those tools in an actual knockout potential fight. Um, I'll experiment. The lighter we go, the more I'll experiment. But if, if you're trying to knock my eye out of my head, then I'm going to reduce it yeah. to less and less yeah. things. And, uh, and Bob doesn't have an opportunity to work with me very often. And he knows what he's doing. Like, the guy doesn't look like he will tear your head off, but he'll surprise you with his speed. He's, he's very, very capable. I think he's a cop down there. He's very, very capable. 
and he's uh, very passionate about sambo and judo and, and mixed martial arts. He's a good guy. I like everything about him. I like how he, he prepped me and got me ready to go. And Amy was saying, I, how does that make you feel when he slaps you really hard? And I'm like, that yeah, works. It's great, man. It's, it's wonderful. It spikes the adrenaline and get me, get me out on the floor. He actually contacted me the other day and asked me if I wanted to go ahead and, and confirm to represent the U.S. in the 2018 Pan American Games. And unfortunately, I think I had to turn that down because it comes down to, do you want to go to Japan or do you want to go to Mexico? And for me, I think I want to make it over to Japan in November to get my black belt if, if all that works out. For the games it, in Mexico? In Kudo, yeah. Yeah, you'll get, you don't want to get it. I don't. Alcapulco. Alcapulco, yeah. Um, so they may have security going on there but i've thought everywhere we went in south america or central america we were going to get taken (laughs) i told dude i told that to the colombian newspaper they're like so after i won they're like what did you think i was like oh man i was so nervous to come to your country and i thought for sure i was going to get taken hostage i'm like you fuckers are scary on tv and it goes to this whole thing and he's got this look of shock on his face i mean it's like all the cocaine and stuff scared you know i just didn't want to get caught up in it and he's like (laughs) And so I read the article when it comes out, and I post it on my Facebook every now and then because it's, it says nothing like I said. And, and it was something about me. You heard the, the Columbia was a beautiful country, yeah. and their fighters are incredibly skilled, and you looked forward to fighting them. Right, and then at the end, I was like, wow, Colombians boxing is so great. And I'm like, we weren't even in a boxing match. That's interesting. But it's yeah. <laughs> And it was, it was funny because it's definitely not what I thought. I mean, the honest truth of what I thought is that I was going to get taken hostage for being a widow in the country like that. But the, the point, I guess, what I'm saying is that we, you got a fight camp coming up where three of you are learning how to fight in this process as young fighters. And what is, what is your, uh, what's your feeling on that? I mean, where do you guys stand? It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. It's hard. You know, you got to put in those hours, get in shape, and thousands of kicks, thousands of punches, thousands of combinations. It never ends, and and that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, you can do martial arts from the time you're five years old to the time you die, and you'll never know everything. It's just humanly impossible to grasp every single technique or. Like even now, you know, with the spread of MMA and, and the way that martial arts has blown up in the last 10 years, like there's a new technique out every day, seems like. Because it's know. changed. You know, it's changed a lot. Um, but I, I feel like being in this age of where martial arts is pretty much as good as it's ever been is a really good thing for us because we get to take part in our golden time of martial arts. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. And I'm very fortunate to have such a great team and a coach people that actually care about you and make sure that you don't get into anything that you're not prepared for. And I think that's really important. You know, there's so many careers I'm I'm sure that's been cut short because they've been trained and their coaches put them in there before they were fully prepared for combat. They go in there and get knocked out or get hurt really bad and it's done. Um, But I'm just fortunate to be in a situation where I have people that care about me and really want to see me succeed as much as I want to see them succeed. Say something, Austin. I'd say the whole process is more so fun than anything. Uh, It's like a lot of challenges all at once. It's a lot to take on, but 
definitely beats sitting in the office all day, which I do, and then I come here, and it's <laughs> fucking cool to do that after a long work day and a long work week. Um, <clears throat> yeah, learning all these new things at once, you know, you figure out how to do something, okay, now I know how to punch, let me figure out how to breathe and punch at the same time, <laughs> okay, now I can breathe and punch, I'm getting sick of this, let's do something else, then we go to, you know, Sambo or whatever it is. Um, so all those different things combined just makes it a lot of fun. Um, you know, and I'm excited for the future and what we're all going to do. Yeah, what you're all going to do, I think that's, that's big for me. I, I had gone through a bit of a coaching hiatus and kind of gave up on I, – I wanted to get somebody into the UFC so bad. And uh, I get people so close – and they would, uh, I think the, the higher you get on the scale of, of the fight world, the more people are going to whisper in your ears, like, terrible advice. Yeah, but the UFC is like, at least back east, it's who you know. It really is. Like, there's, there's elite level guys in Bellator and now PFL, like, that are, like, elite level. Like, Justin, remember, you know, Justin Gaffey? He's from yeah. Denver. Yeah. He, yeah, he was fighting World Series for like five years and he was elite and he's, he was one of the he was, he was like number two lightweight in the world like, I don't think you've had plenty of people on PFL you've had plenty of people on World Series Bellator like he's Gaethje's like one of the toughest people oh he's a savage dude he fought Danny Lozon Danny yeah, I know you're not watching this because you're too cool but he fought my friend Danny Lozon he's Joe Lozon's brother and he fought him on World Series and I've never seen someone do that to Danny Danny has like the most insane stand up and he just like legs out from underneath him with his leg kicks. I've never seen someone do that to Daniel Lozano. What he said about his leg kicks, man. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a savage. Really he's unbelievable. He could throw him in such close proximity. Yep. You don't expect it. You expect punches and elbows, yep. and he just whap, yep. with those leg kicks, and it's just so unexpected. So it's a... It's a... Uh, the other person that I saw that in his prime that was insanely tough was Luke Cardillo. You guys might not know him, but before you guys They're got awesome. here, yeah, I mean, he's an MMA fighter. But um, the thing with uh, Luke is, <laughs> I think it would be hard for Luke or somebody like Luke to really instruct somebody in how they do stuff because Luke Cardillo is the toughest person I've ever seen. I can take endless amounts of punishments and continue to go. I can't teach people. I can't. Because like I like do as I said like I know what what needs to be done correctly like what technique like what how a punch should be thrown but when I get hit sometimes it goes away it's like I can't I can't teach how I fight I can teach the right way to fight but I can't teach the way that I fight does that make sense yeah yeah I think I have the same thing um, uh, when when I'm working with you guys we've got um, I'm gonna teach you guys the mixture of what I know now but I was instructed in boxing, judo, wrestling, taekwondo, karate, kimpo. You know, it, just, it was all very segmented through my life. And then I walked into progressive martial arts in Denver back in the early 90s, uh, mid-90s, and I just got the shit kicked out of me in this place. I was like one of the best guys in Montana, and I just got smashed, and it was just no competition. And I... I was like, what? 
happened? I'm wearing a ninja suit. I mean, how is this? How am I getting beat up by this guy in these American flag shorts? And uh, they were like a really good point sparring school at the time. They and but their people were like full contact point spars and, and really good at it. And they pounded me down pretty legitimately. Um, but in any case, it, it opened my eyes, and I had to start training at Champions Martial Arts from that point, and that's where I met Ludwig when he was a kid, and um, we came up underneath John, I can't remember his name, um, a Thai boxing coach for a while there, and then uh, um, Tom Yoshida was my primary Thai boxing coach from there, and I think, I think Tom Yoshida coaches over at uh, Edge Martial Arts now. He's, he's a legitimate coach. He was the Japanese national amateur champion for some time. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Taekwondo or? No, Thai boxing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's where I learned. Tom had a good way of coaching because I, I came in and I would do and kick, and he goes, oh, those very powerful kicks, but I could show you so, maybe how to do it more powerfully. I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. Considering that they're a block away, because my opinion on it is different. I think Ludwig is awesome. I think he's, he holds like the fastest knockout in UFC history, all that. He's an awesome striker, Bass Rutten, and you're awesome too. What is your, what is your opinion on the on his yeah. on his system? What do you I I do not like the way he throws punches. I do not like that. I do not like how they're so high. I don't like the way he shuffles shuffles feet. He doesn't do it he doesn't do angles. Like he's always here. And then you're stepping this way. Sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if I, I really have an opinion on a system. I like to see some variances and differences in things. Um, I, I don't like how everybody in the world is doing what they perceive to be the same thing. Like, everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah. Then everybody thinks that they're going to do the same thing better than other people do the same thing. And now we're starting to lean on genetics a lot. And uh, so Ludwig System has produced some good guys. and But... Any system, whether you're dealing with mine or Ludwig's or whatever, you're, you're coming down to a genetic potential and you're coming down to a dietary potential. You're coming down to a commitment potential. It always comes down to those things because there's no way for me to say, all right, the guy's not committed, doesn't eat right, and is incapable. So just do my system and it'll work. It'll work. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be. Uh, these guys are tough. The ones that make it to the top, um, you can't coach somebody into not getting knocked unconscious when they get hit it just that's that's in you or it's not and that's that's the fight world and how tough are you and how scrappy are you and it's it's the difference between a house cat and alley cat is the same fucking cat right but it's an attitude i was raised right so an alley cat's going to give it to the house cat every time and uh it's really based upon the alley cat just doesn't have a choice. And so I think inside of the martial arts world, when we were talking about becoming world champions, I watched people go, I want to become a world champion. I'm going to give 2 or 3% of my time to that world championship mm-hmm. goal. And then I'm going to put the rest of my time into something that would make it a fucking impossibility. That's why, that's why I don't say that I want to be a world champion. That's why I don't say like I want to be the best because that is not what fighting is to me. Like I have other alter, I have other goals in my life. I have other, like I work 60 hours a week. Fighting is fun. 
fighting is like I'm I'm able to give twenty percent to fighting because I'm thirty five because I know that there's an end to it that I'm doing it for fun that I have other avenues in my life that I'm gonna go down like I want a ranch in two years three years I want to have a ranch maybe I'll fight again but fighting isn't everything to me anymore it used to be when I was younger and I used to want to be the most badass world champion everywhere but now that I have different avenues in my life fighting is fun fighting is my passion and my way to reciprocate what's going on in my head to the outside world I guess so what are your thoughts, guys, on, on that? I, I, that's my biggest issue. When, so I, I run across guys that come into the gym. I want to be world champion, and I don't believe them. And I run across women that come into the gym, they're like, I literally never want to grapple. And the next thing you know, they're taking on, like, international competitions mm-hmm. in grappling. And it's, it's a strange thing. I think, and this is just my opinion, that guys build up in their head that it's going to be easier than it's going to be, and women build up in their head that it's impossible and it's going to be much harder than it's actually going to be. And then we have two the variables of like how many, if if we were doing a push your buddy in front of a bus competition, how many women would show up? Right? There's there's just this fraction of women that'll show up to something like that, and then the rest of them are like lined up saying, you know, don't objectify me. I'm getting my nails done and trying on bikinis. You know, it's so it's. It's it's this strange culture of some of us somewhere in the middle there too. Yeah, <laughs> but you're the ones lined up for pushing in the, your buddy in the into the so. bus. No, no, still not stupid. Um. But we're talking about a bus pushing competition. <laughs> yeah. Pushing them in front of a bus. Correct. No. It's British. <laughs> I don't oh, like Britain. Is. Anything? No. Um. Well, I guess being on the side of the the one that comes in and doesn't want to do any of it, like I don't not not want to do any of it, but not I never intended to compete in anything ever. <laughs> like I came in here because I was injured as a runner and a soccer player, and I was tired of it, so I came in to try kickboxing just for fitness purposes. Um, and I never wanted to grapple because it looked terrible. But I also came in as a nearly 40-year-old mother of four children, the idea of being an athlete was never on the radar. It's not um, someone in that position. It doesn't seem like something achievable. It's not acceptable yeah. even. Like I, um, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not the norm and it isn't acceptable. Um, there's almost, I don't, we were talking about that earlier, there's almost among people in that situation a badge of honor for moms who are like, I have totally given up all care for myself and my kids all come first and everything revolves around them. And I don't necessarily fall in that. I don't fit into any box anywhere. I just, I don't. So I came in here, my kids did grappling and one of them told me I should try it. So I tried it because he asked me to. And um, so I guess for that, then it's, I hated it actually, so I hated it. So I stuck with it. And then I never wanted to compete. And that same kid who, I don't know if I want to talk to him anymore, was like, you should really compete with us, mom. It would be so much fun if you would compete when we did. I was like, okay. And so I did, and I like it. Um, I like the push, I like having the end goal of things that drives me to continue to train. Um, Not that I think I would stop, because I still, 
like to be good at things. So, I don't know, I guess, did I kind of answer your question about those? I guess, was there a question? I just made one up. The yeah, topic. Yeah, and Putsy. <laughs> I just think it's awesome to, you know, my mom, is, she was a cheerleader. My dad's no longer here, but he was an athlete. I think it's awesome that your kids, you know, invited you to do grappling with them, you know. And then, not only that they, they say, hey, this is something I think mom should do, but excel, you know. That inspires me to, you know, that when I have a family one day that it's not, it's, life is not over because I feel like I have to do everything for my wife and my kids and things like that. You can, you still have to live your life and you still have goals and stuff that you want to accomplish just because you're married with kids doesn't stop all the living that you're going to do. I don't think that having personal goals and having, being a good family person are mutually exclusive. I don't think so either. I think you can do both. You do both. <laughs> and, I, and I mean, my hat's off to you. And, and the time that you and Sully put in, you know, you both have families and stuff like that and kids attend to. And it's just very impressive to see the amount of effort that you guys put in every day, you know. Um, I appreciate the hell out of it, for sure. You know, you don't have to be in here every day. You don't have to um, instruct us. You don't have to give tips. You don't have to. You don't have to have a smile on your face. But you guys come in here and you make it worth it. Every day, and uh, you know, I aspire to be like you guys one day when I have my own family to be able to balance the two and still be able to enjoy my life. I heard something the other day, and I think this is going to be big because I, I have a feeling Mike's going to have a kid before he knows it. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen because you said no, and it's, I, I feel like. I've heard it too as far as kids go and being an athlete and being involved in business and people like you got to put your kids first and I, and, I, and I believe that I started this venture out highly imbalanced on putting my kids definitely second to a lot of fighters that um, maybe did or didn't deserve the, uh, the attention that I, that I lost of my children. But at the same time, this is how I made my living. Right. And I, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've got to do what I've got to do to make that living for them. Um, but I, I heard just the other day on Joe Rogan's podcast that somebody had said, our goal should be to teach children how to be adults, not make childhood the best, the best situation that they're ever going to have in life. Like your adulthood should definitely kick the shit out of your childhood. At least in my view, from my perception, I would never want to go back to childhood. Um, But adulthood should be, right? You're free. I agree. Yeah, kind of. You're kind of free. Go, you know, go. And teaching your kids, and I I hope that what my kids actually pull from this whole thing is that um, they've watched me do things I don't want to do and fail. And they've watched me do things I do want to do and fail. And if that is to teach me anything, is that you can fail at what you don't want to do. So you might as well go out and do and try. Do, do what you want. And, uh, and then inside of that, there's kind of a... Uh, so I've, as I've aged as a coach, this is something that I've, I've had to modify into. Like, what is the value of being a fighter if at the end of your fighting career, 
you have fucking nothing. You don't have your health. Yeah. You have no money. You have a record. Right. You have a record. Maybe a 500 record. Right. And so people are like, perfect. That's exactly the reason I'm never going to try. And so they walk out of the room. And then I, I turn and ask that person, what is the purpose of having all this money with a failing bladder and liver? Mm-hmm. And like, well, that's it. So I'm never going to work. It. Yeah, it's okay. So you have to look at the next person. I said, what is the purpose of having your life if you're going to hide in a hole and not try to achieve something with it? Like, I feel like if you live in a semi-free country like America, um, and you waste this potential because if you come up in the middle of Zimbabwe or something, I mean, you're just fucked if you're the wrong, if you're a minority yeah. tribe over there. Yeah. They're like, guess what? We're hacking your, your hands yeah. off or something today. And then, and then that's just it. And you just, yeah, you're just born. And like, or, or they, somebody accuses, this has happened. Somebody accused the guy of possibly stealing a goat, and clearly he didn't have the goat on him when they caught him. <laughs> and, and they doused him in gasoline and burnt him to death and so we don't have to face these type of threats here and I watch people waste it away for this pipe dream that if I get to the end of this thing that's out here then my life is going to be fucking perfect man and and they just keep and they never reach it because that that pipe dream always has to go because you're getting older right Mm -hmm. and so at at first you wanted to be a track star and and then you just wanted to be a walker you know i just want to walk and then eventually you're like i just kind of want to rest and then eventually i want a wheelchair and then eventually i need an electric wheelchair and your pipe dream doesn't get better as you get older no it gets worse (laughs) my pipe dream my pipe dream has just gotten more realistic like i was always i've always been money hungry like always always like I was like I want to be a millionaire like 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 three years ago my my it was like Ferrari 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 like I want I want a Ferrari I love cars now I'm like realistic like I just want land I want a house and that'll be good and like I don't think there's anything wrong with like shooting for your dreams and like don't give up but there's also nothing wrong with <laughs> I'm not swearing all right so there's also nothing wrong with being realistic what like, you know I I'm gonna touch on that as a coach. And as a one-time motivational speaker and as a consultant at one time, that term, I'm not picking on you, yeah. drives me crazy. What, realistic? Be realistic. Yeah. Think about, have you heard it from your parents? Oh, absolutely. Right? What does it mean? You just settle. normal. Settle. Be yeah. negative. Yeah. yeah. Be yeah. negative. Like, I heard it from my, I was told by a family member one time, quit dreaming big. Just go get a job, washing dishes, keep your nose down, you'll be fine. What kind of fucking advice is that? What if, what if your goal? But that was still, super realistic. Your goal is still pretty high. Like you still want it, but you're not like I want a fucking seventy foot yacht when I'm fucking thirty five years old. It's like I had that. <laughs> I had that goal. Yeah, I so missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was like I I got a pickup. <laughs> That's as close as I got. Is I had a pickup, <laughs> and everybody else did too. So, yeah, I get it. I think you can I don't overshoot. Know if you became more realistic. You just rearranged your priorities. Yeah. Did she do that? Mm, no, Colorado did that. <laughs> no, no, she she has changed the prior. She is she has changed a little bit. But I've always wanted when I came out here. The plan was to get land and an RV. She has changed it to a legitimate homestead with a house. Well, she's going to leave you if you well, move into an RV. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I can't move into. An yeah. RV. So she had something to do with it. 
Yeah. Like, I feel like living in a camper is almost like birth control. Dude, they're nice, man. <laughs> some with the, the pop outs, they got some potential. I'd rather have some hundred thousand. Bigger than my first apartment I ever had. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah, but the fact that Mike is white and talking about how he likes these trailers. <laughs> See, I can say trailer trash. <laughs> it's so I, I don't think that um, I don't think you're being unrealistic. I, I think that you've that you've moved your pipe dream back to something more obtainable. And then once you obtain that, right, then you can, then you can step oh, again. So I think um, maybe a better metaphor would be putting it into a bite-size solution instead of saying, um, I want, by the time I'm 35, a 75-foot yacht, which I don't know if anybody in this room knows what it takes to get a 75-foot yacht, right? I don't, I don't know. I know it's a second mortgage. It can be a mortgage as long as it has like a kitchen and a bedroom in it. And um, so you could, you could in the 90s finance it in, in a very special ways. Yeah. Like you can like, I only want to pay 3% interest on this. And that's all I'm going to pay is interest, interest, interest. And then I'm going to invest the rest of it into a whole life policy, for example. And that whole life policy would be invested into the stock market and grow up to in a potential of 11%. At the end of the 30 year ro- loan, you roll back all that money. Um, gained interest and you pay off the boat you keep the million dollars so you you actually made money I, I think the federal government stepped in and they're like you can't <laughs> yeah you can't, you can't make money on do money that money. anymore so um, I don't know I don't know the the hinds the, the total back legs of that but uh, I don't know going dry I, I cruise back uh, to the Cayman and, and the Jamaican Islands and stuff like that sometime ago and went past Richard Branson's island and his yacht had a yacht on it, which had a lifeboat on it and it had a helicopter. I mean, it just, it just, it was an amazing thing. And, and I wanted to be this like multimillionaire guy. And then I got to go past one and I had never bumped on one before. And I was just like, holy shit, I'm really far off. Mm-hmm. And, and as massive as I was thinking and with the amount of money that I was making um, through SBP, I wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And so it was, it was sometime later I heard from Joel Olstein. Um, and Joel Olstein said, some people are million-dollar people and some people are $500 people, man. And you kind of just got to embrace what you are. And uh, my one genius, I think, is knowing that I'm not a genius. And I don't know if I have the alone potential to do this by myself. And... You know, Amy has a family she has to take care of and stuff like this, but she's done a tremendous job at reorganizing me <laughs> to make it to where Fusebox remains and Viking Valhalla Woodworks remains. Um, but it, it's a team effort. Success. Yep. It's no, not no, on your no, own. No, no one does it alone. Not on your own. Everybody needs help. And I think, especially as men, and women may even be in this. I mean, I've never been one. <laughs> but as men, you're not supposed to ask for help. You're not supposed to need help. You're not supposed to mention you're in pain. You're not supposed to suffer. But it, we have the same emotional barrage that, that women do. We're probably just not to the same extreme spikes in some areas. Amy disagrees with me. But um, the, uh, we're not supposed to show this stuff. And I think it causes some, uh, some significant snappage. Wise man knows he knows nothing. That's the biggest lesson I've ever learned. Like I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind being wrong or asking for help. 
a wise man knows he knows nothing. So like, if you think you know everything, I don't respect you. Like, if you like, everyone can offer you something. Everyone can give you something that you don't already know. So we're at that place. We're at 55 minutes, 44 seconds. I usually wrap out in that an hour. And so we can go ahead and start teeling this off. When's your fight date again? June 23rd, this Saturday. Okay. Is it going to be streaming? It is. Fight.tv. It's $10. Fight.tv, $10. Bare knuckle fight. I have no idea why he's doing it, but he is. And so much. He's going to be such a Victorian gentleman at the end of this. We're off at July 27. Is that right? For the kickboxing? For kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Okay, July 27, kickboxing. And then we're taking off on the 6th to go to Texas. To what city? Dallas. Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas. And then you'll be competing down there for a day or so. And if we can figure out how to do a seminar, we'll do a seminar, which is harder than you think. Or anything. All right, anybody got anything to say before we go? This is awesome. This is awesome. Yep, let's do it again. All right, we'll do it again. So we'll hit uh, another one of these. I'm going to have Shane Lamaster back on eventually, and we're going to finish up the second segment of the psychology of success and Viking manhood and whatever that means. Um, we've got the Viking Alting coming up in August, towards the end of August, I believe. Uh, we have to check out the dates, got to bounce it off and make sure that we don't uh, run into the school dates. And we're going to put this Viking old thing together and bring men together and start working on the next generation, the next evolution of the American man since um, America keeps beating us up to the point and nobody knows how to act. We're going to kind of work on what does this mean and is every woman actually against you? I don't think so. I think it's a small minority of crazy people. But we, uh, with the way the country's working, we're going to go ahead and uh, move forward and, and come up with a new way of looking at things to keep men from killing themselves at record numbers like they are right now and getting dads to be more engaged with their children and uh, more accomplishment of their own personal goals so their kids can watch them succeed. And that's the goal. So, guys, appreciate your time. Love having you here. Talk to you guys next week. Love everybody listening.